podcast as part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Swing it a line drive, left field, Ben and Teddy coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did! He got it! Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High yeah. He crushed it! It's a grand slam! Swing and a miss, strike three, it's over! The Red Sox have won the world championship! Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 153rd edition of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. For everyone staying up late tonight on Periscope, the podcast, as always, can be found on Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and of course, Apple Podcasts. The link to the uh, Apple Podcast is right above your video window. Click that, subscribe. All of our shows are available. Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set against the Baltimore Orioles, dropping two out of three. Still, I forgot to look, probably 11 or so games behind the New York Yankees and definitely three games out of the American League wild card. I am Terry Cushman and I'm joined, as always, by Jeremy Schilling and tonight, for the first time, Jason Kelly. How are you guys? Doing well. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Jeremy, I'll answer it for you. Uh, You're doing shitty. (laughs) Move it along here, Terry. (laughs) All right. Well, um, not what you want here, obviously. You're you're losing two out of three to the worst team in baseball. That was supposed to be a tune-up as we take on the Rays, who are currently above us in the wildcard standings, and then a four-game set against the Yankees so um couldn't be playing any worse you know given the timing of uh how the schedule plays out so from here we'll get into heroes and zeros for this Baltimore Orioles series who do you got Jeremy for your hero well, originally I would refuse to pick anybody but you uh, made me pick someone so I went with Devers um, he's awesome. He continues to be awesome. He's become, I mean, I wouldn't even say he's becoming, he's an elite player. Um, so impressive to see what he's become. Um, unfortunately I can't enjoy any bit of it cause this team sucks. Yeah. Um, had the only hit today for quite some time. Um, I can't pronounce the Orioles pitcher's name, but he's a 30 year old journeyman who, uh, Stifled us pretty good. Uh, Devers had a, um, uh, you know, a double to to get the Red Sox first hit today. Three for 12 in the series. No one was super impressive um, other than maybe someone we're going to get to here in a minute. But, but, you know, doesn't matter how Devers is, how good he is, if, if the rest of the team isn't doing their job around him. 
Well, yeah, and despite the fact that he is becoming an elite player, is an elite player, this team still can't win. So, I mean, I feel a little bit like watching Trout with the Angels, where you got a guy who's just dominating and doing everything right and big hits and, um, you know, slugging and, you know, running the bases and everything else, and it just doesn't fucking matter because you can't overcome the rest of the team. It's just amazing because this Red Sox team is a lot more talented than the Angels, but it seems like a very similar situation at this point. Yeah, you know, and I mean, we should be playing better. We should be probably the second or third best team in the American League, and it's just we've been in third since, what, April in in the AL East, and um yeah, and we had a chance to get 10 games above 500 today. It's frustrating. Uh, normally, we're not this depressing, uh, Jason, I, I promise you, but it's... <laughs> oh, no, I'm right there with you. As yeah, you, it's it's warranted today. As you can imagine, right. Uh, who, who's your hero for the series? And this is probably going to be the only person really worthy. Yeah, uh, my hero is Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, never thought I'd be saying that, but... He had a good series, and he was a huge part of the offense on Saturday with the two home runs. I think he went four for 11 overall on the weekend. Um, And, you know, he is what he is. He's a bottom-of-the-order hitter. He's been up and down all season. He's been better of late, um, but better for Jackie Bradley is, you know, hovering around 250. But, again, for a guy who's good defensively, I wouldn't say he's the best, but he's very good defensively. And, you know, if he can do something like this where he hits – 240, 250, bottom of your lineup, and provides a little bit of offense, especially when the top of your lineup isn't doing much. I think that's pretty valuable to have. So he had himself a strong weekend for sure. Yeah, I mean, those two home runs combining for the six RBIs were definitely uh, a big boost for that middle game. But the crazy thing was, was he was only two for 12 so he did all of his damage in those two hits which is fine you know but uh just on paper you know at quick glance you uh you got to look at his whole stat line to really you know see what he did sure yeah well get ready for an 0 for 50 slump because he had a couple big hits so yeah, and you know, he he was one keeping keeping with my overwhelmingly optimistic uh uh you know look on this podcast. So coming back from London, he was one thirty two, uh, you know, coming into the Baltimore series, and I mean, with only two hits, his batting average probably hasn't really improved. But for a guy that you're not really you know leveraging most of your success on. I guess that's fine if he's going to come through in, in big spots, you know, and he certainly did that, but I, I can definitely feel a slump. And the the one thing I was thinking after he hit the second home run, I'm like, sell him now. If somebody calls tomorrow and you can get a couple of mid-level prospects, ship him <laughs> because <laughs> it's going to get worse. His value might go down in the next week or so. And, Especially, I I don't think he ever really shows up against the Yankees. Yeah, not to my knowledge. I mean, it, it seems like he's, you know, usually he's a black hole down there at the bottom of the lineup. So, and if you put him up against tough pitchers, then forget about it. He's 
flailing away at breaking balls in the dirt all the time. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, if someone, you know, with the trade deadline coming around, if, if someone saw him this weekend and thought, hey, I, I'd be willing to give up a prospect for him, then, yeah, absolutely. If I'm the Red Sox, I do it. Like, sell as high as you can. Yeah. It, okay. ja- Jackie Bradley Jr. is like the drunk uncle that twice a year shows up sober. <laughs> I mean, that's what he is. So I, I, he's not going to be anything than he always is. I mean, I'm sorry. He's, you know, I just refuse to believe that he's going to be a positive force moving forward for any extended period of time. Great. Good. You know, like Terry said, he had six RBIs. It was just like two hits, just like the ALCS. The guy has three hits. They're all, you know, they're all big hits. He's got, what, nine RBIs or whatever. It's great. He's just. He's not going to get on base enough. He's not, and and to the extent that he has the two big hits, that that's it. He just, you know, that's it. That that's what you're going to get for the next thirty days. So, yeah, and I mean, teams do have a history of overvaluing him. So I don't know. I mean, the the package isn't going to be huge. So literally, he could go to almost any playoff contender. I I know Atlanta's pretty stacked in the outfield. Dodgers are you know, pretty good. Jock Peterson's more of a platoon lefty anyway. So, um, you know, you can sprinkle in some of the wild card teams that, you know, might've had an injury and, you know, want to add him to the lineup. But the, the first team that overvalues him, I'm not waiting for a bidding war here. The first team to overvalue him, I'm taking whatever that deal is. And, you know, the Blue Jays got decent value. You know, they got, I forget, I think they sent Lariano to um, the Astros the season before last. They got Teoscar Hernandez back in the deal, who's an okay, you know, probably also, a, you know, a middle, I mean, excuse me, a, a bottom of the order bat, but, um, you know, and. You know, the, maybe maybe you can get something like that in return. They also, I forget exactly which deal they got Lourdes Gurriel in, but he's also, you know, been pretty decent. So, um, you know, so I don't know. It, I, I'd kind of be a little surprised if he's still here in two weeks. You know, I, I think they'll move him if, if we decide to sell. But we'll, we'll get into that shortly. Um I, I took Mookie, you know, four for 13. He had the most hits of anyone in the series. Um, you know, hit a home run, drove in three. Swinging a decent bat, kind of showing you a little bit of, of what he gave you last year. He's certainly been better in the month of July than he has, you know, in the, the previous three months. So, um, uh <laughs> So he, he's my hero. <laughs> Any thoughts? I mean, I, you know, I don't. Jer- Jeremy's having I, I, a bad fine. <laughs> fine, fine, fine. He's, he's better. That's great. I mean, it doesn't change any of the analysis we've talked about on this podcast. First of all, the team sucks. The season's <laughs> over. You're about to go into, we're going to talk about it. You're about to go into the toughest part of the schedule. We're going to get the absolute living shit kicked out of us. And you had to win this series. And it's nice that Devers and Mookie and Jackie hit, but it just wasn't enough. And with Mookie, you know, if he gets hot, despite what happens with the team, again, it becomes 
and I already think he's gone, but it just gets back to the fact that he's going to continue to price himself out of Boston. So I, I don't, you know, unless we're going to be competitive and make a run in a playoff spot, which we're clearly not, I don't need to see him have success. I almost wish he would underwhelm so we have a chance to resign him. But, you know, that's all I'll say about that. Yeah, I don't think yeah. he's going to, I don't think his value is going to come down at all, really. And even with those first few months of the season, I don't think that lowered his value. He's a five-tool guy and can... I mean, his best moment last October was gunning down Tony Kemp, you know, the, the Astros player who was trying to leg out a double in the ninth inning off Craig Kimbrell. So, I mean, there's so many ways he can help you win and... I don't think only really injuries like chronic injuries. I think will will lower his value, and I, I just don't see that happening at this point. Yeah, that's fine. I, I don't disagree with you. Okay. All right. Well, uh, let's. Uh, normally, I do some honorable mentions. I mean, JD had was three for twelve. Um, Jeremy's least favorite player, Sandy Leone, was three for five with a home run, but uh, everyone else just really dismal. You know, games one and three were really bad. So uh, let's just get into our uh, zeros at this point and uh, go ahead, Jeremy. I called it. I called it. I called it. I called it. I said, this sack of shit. <laughs> is going to go out and eviscerate Eckersley, act like the douchebag that he is, and then not pitch well either. And that, oh boy, David, you walked right into my wheelhouse, my man. You walked right into it. This guy, I mean, this guy, he's the worst. I'm sorry. He's the, If you're going to open your mouth and do what he did, pitch well. Four innings, eight hits, six runs, all earned, a walk, four Ks, gave up two home runs. The first one was of the three-run variety. I mean, he's such a spineless sack of shit, and it just set the tone for losing the series, which, I, you know, I mean, I predicted this thing 100%. I think I, I mean, just he did exactly what I thought he would do, which was open his mouth, chirp Eckersley, sound like an idiot, and then not perform. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, and uh, he had good numbers at Camden Yards, and uh, he was 8-0. I, I forget what his ERA was, but it was in the twos, and um, only lasted four innings. I mean, that's something you expect against maybe the Yankees uh, or a team that's not necessarily good but has a decent offense, and, you know, this – Half of that lineup's a minor league lineup, and uh, you know, and he looked terrible, and he's looked terrible coming into it. He his pitch count has been rising, and you know, you, you've only been getting five innings out of him. You're used to getting six in innings, sometimes seven, and he really, after getting off to a good start this year, has since late June forward not looked good at all. Yeah, David Price is really the embodiment of putting your foot in your mouth when it comes to his, you know, just outbursts against Eckersley. And then, you know, if he had gone out there and gotten his lips ripped off by, like, the Yankees, you could almost be like, okay, well, whatever. You're going up against a really good team. It's going to happen. Fine. I wouldn't say that. 
Well, yeah, sure, right. That's, that's I also still hate be him. Great. I, I also hate him with the the. the I, I hate him so much. You have no idea. But go ahead, sorry, Jason. No, it's okay. I mean, that's true. It's you know you, you can't you can't be doing stuff like this, especially when the team is scuffling, and now you decide to open your mouth and be a big baby again, and then go get your ass kicked by the Orioles. It's just it's ridiculous, and you know it's the whole not going more than five innings thing. That's starting to you know that's starting to piss me off too because we know this bullpen is taxed. We know they're overworked. And David Price is supposed to be one of your guys that can eat a lot of innings, go, you know, seven, maybe eight, and should be able to give that bullpen a rest every five days. And lately, he hasn't been doing that. He's been, you know, he's been more like uh, sort of the worst version of Eduardo Rodriguez, where you look at his pitch count, and he's up in the hundreds by the fifth inning, and he has to leave. And so he, he just, you know, he pissed me off so much this weekend, just going out there and performing like that after running his mouth, and, you know, of course, because he's as spineless as you say, he's not going to own up to any of it. You know, he'll place the blame on someone else, or he'll run away from, you know, from the media, and he'll run away from all of it, and it's just so tiring. It's such a tired act with him, and th- this weekend was just, uh, it was one of the worst weekends of, of his Red Sox tenure. He hasn't gone uh, seven innings since, and he's only actually done it once all season, which was on April 14th against the Orioles, ironically. Uh, Seven scoreless innings at that. He went six and one-third against the Yankees on June 2nd and has not uh, exceeded uh, six innings in any other start. So only gone more than six twice and you know not not getting the you know the the depth in the game with him and with this bullpen you kind of need him to to go deep here and there uh you know to save your arms and so not not a very good year for him in, in uh several different ways and also with the controversy, another thing I, I didn't mention specifically is he's about to be 34 years old, and the league's gotten younger. There's not many players in the league, you know, that are in their mid 30s anymore. Um, you know, Scherzer and Verlander are, you know, and their pitchers like Price, Kershaw must be 32, 33 at least by now. But, uh, you know, position players in their 30s, that's, you know, that's something that's just not really a thing anymore. Everybody values their prospects. You know, we're not really seeing huge mega deals anymore in terms of prospects because team wants to hold on to them. And, you know, so to have a guy like David Price at his age influencing young players, that's extremely appalling to me yeah you'd hate to have an aging second baseman that hasn't played in three years also in the clubhouse true true that and that was his way I mean, in the in the charter plane yeah yeah no these these two are our pals they're buddies they uh they've been wronged by uh Accurately saying the term yuck with regards to an Erod uh, rehab start. So, no, he's just a spineless sack of shit. He pits like shit. He set the tone for the series. Didn't give you a chance to win game one. You know, 
got real quiet afterwards, you know. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it just it pisses me off to no extent. And, um, you know, on, on, a, on a side note, it was nice to see Eckersley uh, living his best life in Cooperstown this weekend. Had some tweets where he was being kind of revered by the fan base, uh, you know, just Major League Baseball fans. So that was kind of nice to see, especially with Price shitting his pants. So, Yeah. Is Price a Hall of Famer, would you say? Is he going to – do you think his stats uh, get him into the Hall? No. No? I hope I hope not. Yeah, I'm, I'm I mean, not. maybe I guess I guess it's borderline. I mean, he won a Cy Young. He's now won a World Series. He's been a probably elite regular season pitcher for what eleven years now. I don't think his win totals enough, and I guess I, I should look this up quickly. But I, I don't think um, his win totals enough to kind of spark the conversation with. You know, even by today's metric, you got to have, you got to be, you know, you got to get to 200 wins. Um, yeah, he's so. currently sitting uh, 150 wins, 78 losses. So yeah, he's never, he's never getting to 200, never. Probably not. Um, I'm just... I mean, even if, even if he wins 15 a year, he needs to do that for three more years. He's going to be pitching in his 38th season. His year thirty-eight season at that point—it's never going to happen. And if it does, it's because he's hanging around almost till he's forty, pitching. You know who who knows what. Um, I just don't see it. So I hope not. Um, he's such a scumbag. He doesn't deserve to be revered like that. So I, I hope that I hope that he doesn't make it. I don't want him to make it. I you know. So and he's a career that's all I'll say about that career forty war, but uh, it's borderline. It's borderline. One of those, I forget the the Minnesota pitcher there in the '80s got in through the Veterans Committee or something like that, and his numbers certainly weren't quite as good uh, as David Price. But I don't know, just just uh, something to think about. But uh, Jason, who's your um, zero for the series? Uh, my zero is Andrew Benatendi who I still don't know what's going on with this guy. Ever since the All-Star break, he's been a complete disaster. Um, even before that, he was kind of having a, a down season, but he's he was awful this series. Um, just, I think his since the All-Star break, he's hitting like 155, somewhere around there. Um, and he's just, he's become sort of a liability in your lineup because... You know, we saw it in today's game when the Red Sox finally got a runner in scoring position in what, whatever it was, the eighth or ninth inning, and he had a chance to do something and, up oh, fly out to left. You know, weak at bat, fly out to left. It's just that's the way it's been with this guy. He's either striking out or he's he's just not doing anything. And um, I forget what series it was. It might have been the Toronto series where Remy and Eck were, had a long discussion about Benintendi and his struggles. And one thing that Remy pointed out is he said, you know, he just looks like he's late on everything. Like his timing is all screwed up. He's either late or he's too early or he's just not seeing the ball. Um, and the more you watch him, the more you can really see that. He just looks all out of sorts. Um, whatever's going on with him, it's between the ears, which is not good because, you know, who knows when that's going to get sorted out, um, if that's the case. But 
yeah, he, he was awful this series. He gave you absolutely nothing, and he really hasn't given you anything since the All-Star break. So it's another guy who's just really trending downwards for them at a really bad time. That's fair. I mean, look, he's, by the way, just his, his, he's approaching average, you know, with his OPS dropping as, as it is. He's hit 264. His OPS is 765. I mean, he's not much better than average. Um, in a spot where, you know, for example, yesterday he hit fifth in the lineup, and then today he hit fifth, and he's giving you nothing. I mean, literally nothing. So, good choice. I mean, I, I'm team Ben Intendi. I think he has the opportunity to be a really good major league baseball player for a long time. And um, his drop off this season, you know, is is alarming. It's it's. And, and and it makes you like you pointed out. I don't know why, but and then you went on your 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 take, which is, you know, a good take. Um, you know, I, I guess maybe it could be an injury that he's just not disclosing and not explaining, and you know, being, you know, tough and professional about it. Like if I'm not so hurt that I can't play, I'm not going to use it as an excuse. Well, it's time to let us know what's going on because you suck. So that's where I'm at with that. Absolutely, yeah. I think it's mechanical, uh, you know. I mean, he's he's popping up quite a bit, and his strikeout rate is a, is up a little bit. For the month of July, he's you know hitting one eighty nine, uh, you know two eighty three on base with a three hundred two slugging. So his OPS is is five eighty five for the month of July, which is obviously well below average. And the thing with me is. You you have to have somebody solid behind him, and I guess you would have at the very least Chavis behind him, um, because you don't want you don't want him being pitched much differently than you know he was in the in the two hole all that time. So it's just you know it it's it's frustrating and. I mean, he's not. I don't think he's in any danger of being like Kyle Schwarber, just coming out of the gates really hot and then basically being pretty mediocre, you know, for you know the last couple of years in, in Schwarber's case. So I think it's just mechanical, and it, it's a matter of getting him right. Typically, he does go through a two or three week slump, you know, in in May or June, and. He just hasn't quite figured it out, and luckily, you know, we're, we are still the number one offense, so enough people are hitting around him, and, um, you know, he still is getting on base, but, you know, I, I want to see something close to that 3,100 potential, or at least 2,080, you know, that we thought we were going to be getting from him. Yeah, I mean, he he just he absolutely needs to be better. Um, the post All Star numbers are abysmal. I mean, one sixty one with no home runs. He's five for thirty one since the All Star break. That's just for a guy that you know again should be the future of your team. Um, that's not good enough. So whatever's going on with him, they gotta sit him down and figure it out. Yeah, and Jeremy, you mentioned- yeah, I mean that's that's one of the things that makes me believe that he's got something happening because with no power i mean look this this guy's like terry alluded to he's he's more than capable of being a 20 home run guy so the fact that he hasn't run into one or two or five or something 
Like, fine. JBJ, as much as he sucks offensively, ran into two in one series here, one day. You know, he runs into him, and he'll hit 220, but he'll get you a random three-run job. Ben Benintendi's not giving you any, there's no power. Something's wrong. I just, I refuse to believe that it's timing or in his head. I mean, it's obviously in his head on some level, but I mean, it's, I just think it's part and parcel with some sort of, you know, whatever it is, you know, whatever it is, wrist, uh, shoulder, you know, I honestly don't know what it could be. It could be any number of like 10 different things, but that absolute failure to have any power to me is very telling. So, uh, my zero for the series will be Rick Porcello, who, you know, much like Price and really Sale up until Sale's last start has, you know, been kind of on the skids uh, for his last several starts. Um, he's going on five or six in a row here that weren't quality starts. And for much of the spring, he was he was pretty solid and and giving us a chance to win and. I've noticed the weird pattern with him is when the rug gets pulled out from under him, he just, he has a terrible inning all, you know, very suddenly after being very solid and tends to give up three, four, five runs. I mean, I, I went outside, I was kind of working on my vehicle a little bit yesterday and I was only out there for like five or six minutes we had a five nothing lead and then it was five to five and this was on uh saturday i should say um and it just i don't know what it is and his walk rate isn't high so it's not it's not so much a, a command thing necessarily but still getting hit really hard so and i i thought the red sox would by hook or by crook bring him back next year um you know they turned it down in spring training but i don't think they had quite pulled the plug on mookie yet and i don't know that he will be back and they could still give him the qualifying offer which would pay him around what he's getting annually anyway and that would he would have to take it because nobody's going to give up a draft pick for him, you know, he'd end up sitting out like Keiko and Kimbrell and he, he's not going to impact a team the way they are. So, um, I thought one way or the other, he would probably be back, but at this rate, I, I don't see it. And I, I don't necessarily even see him really getting it together. Usually on his bad years, he's really bad and doesn't figure it out. And that, happens on on odd numbered years <laughs> even numbered years he's pretty solid as he was in 2016 when he won his Cy Young and he, he was pretty solid last year but but you know it's it's a weird pattern and Dombrowski when he was in Detroit traded him you know coming into the 2015 season A- after having him since 2010 he traded him for Ioannis Cespedes so He's moved on from him once before, and i that's kind of what I'm expecting this time around. He hasn't done anything to warrant a, a, a contract. Nothing. He's underwhelmed. He's Yes, does he pitch, and, and does he 
you know, not ask out of games like some other people on the roster. Um, fine, he does. He'll still give you the, you know, he's he'll give you the six, even though he gave, gives up six, which I, I mean, on some level you respect, but he's not pitching anything. And it's amazing because in a contract year two and his last real opportunity at a big deal, and he's got a five six ERA, and he he's just been terrible. I mean, it's it's. I expected him to have a big year, and for their for the Red Sox and Rick to have a tough decision. There's no decision to make. You you can't offer this guy a contract. He sucks. He absolutely sucks. He's one of the problems. One of the bigger problems, uh, along with Sale, along with Price, along with you know all the other bullpen. I mean, he sucks. He doesn't give you a chance to win. You cannot give up six runs in the first five innings and win baseball games. And I don't care if it's Baltimore or the Rays or the Yankees, by, which, by the way, we're going to play those good teams now. So, I mean, and there's no indication that he's, like, on the cusp of turning around. This is this is becoming what he is. So, I mean, he's a big part of the problem, and he's not going to be here. There's just no way. Especially with what you said, which is Dombrowski already moved this guy once. He doesn't even have to move him. He just has to, you know, open the door, wait for him to go through the door, and then close it and change the lock. So, I mean, he's gone, and he should be. I don't want him here. And he the, sucks. The other, he's, 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 he's a huge problem. The other frustrating thing is he's never been – he's never really had any health issues. The only time he's gone on the DL was his first year here, 2015, and I think that was simply just a phantom injury to just get him out of there because he was only on the DL for two or three weeks – and then he came back and actually pitched okay in the final month of the season. He was part of that run where we had Tori Lovello. The Red Sox were in 2015, despite finishing below 500, they were the best team in baseball in August and September. And and he was kind of a part of that. And um, but you know, other than that, never really got on the DL and. He pitches like shit. I just can't. I don't know why. It's 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 in his head. It has to be. Yeah this this should absolutely be the last year we see Rick Porcello in a Red Sox uniform because the two things, well, two of the things that he's the most he should be the most valuable at is getting ground balls and giving you innings, and he's doing neither of those two things right now. Um, he's still giving up a ton of home runs. He's given up eighteen so far. So if he keeps pitching like this, he'll surpass the 27 he gave up last year. Um, guys are hitting 284 off of him, which is way too high. Um, especially, you know, if you're a guy that like Porcello that doesn't strike out a ton of guys because you, you're a ground ball pitcher, that's fine. But you have to keep them off the base pass, and he's not doing that. So I, I agree that this should be his final year. Just let him walk. He's making way too much money to begin with. He's not worth even discussing a new contract with. Just let this guy go. Let him go wherever he's going to finish his career because um, there's regressing to the mean and then there's just regressing. And hes I, I don't think he's ever been this bad. Uh, maybe early, early in his career, but th- this, is, this is a new low for him. And I'm all set with just letting this guy walk at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly you know, uh, a problem on a team that, that has a bunch of problems and the rotation especially needs to be better. I mean, the rotation right now might be worse than the bullpen. You know, that might end up sinking us more 
you know, and, and the bullpen obviously isn't perfect, but we do have a Voldy back and um, the prospect there, Darwin's and Hernandez has looked pretty solid, you know, a couple times out so far. So uh, anyway, so let's just get into what we expect uh, in terms of possible trades front office transactions over the next uh, week or so. What's today? The 21st, I think. So we got 10 days uh, leading up to the deadline, which I believe is a week from Wednesday. Um, I was listening to WEI this weekend uh, before um, the Saturday game, and I think Christian Arcan was on there. And he had a quote that really summed up Dombrowski almost perfectly. He said, in a way, a huge consequence coming out of winning a World Series with the team that we won it with, which had its flaws, that, in Dombrowski's mind, to him, validated every move he made up until that point as correct. And then, subsequently, led to other moves this winter that should have happened led to them not happening. And so spinning off of that now, this, what he does in the next 10 days is going to determine whether his future in Boston is more short-term or more long-term. If he sells, he's going to appease the fan base, the faction of the fan base that accepts the fact that we're going to rebuild, or, or I should say reload, you know, acquire assets, reload over the winter. If he does not do that, this part of the fan base is going to be extremely pissed off. And then if we miss the playoffs, he's going to he's gonna piss off all the guys who didn't want him to sell. And then everybody's going to be pissed off. So what do you guys think? Are we definitely going to be sellers here? Or... Could it go either way? I think it could go either way, but I want them to be sellers. Um, my fear is that Dombrowski strikes me as a guy who, you know, believes that he can still make that those one or two magical moves like he did last year that can save the team and get them into a wild card. And, you know, and then he's kind of thinking just get to the playoffs and anything can happen. So. As much as I want them to sell, um, I think that he's going to try to buy and he's going to try to make, you know, another Steve Pierce, Nathan Avaldi type of move. And it's probably not going to work, but I think he's going to try that instead of selling. Jeremy? I mean, I don't know that I disagree with that line of thinking. I mean, he's not a long-term player for the Red Sox anyway, so I don't know how willing he's going to be Absent being told by ownership, I just don't know how willing he's going to be to just punt to the next season. Um, and for that reason, I do think it's a possibility. Now, one thing I will say is we're going to get killed in the next 10 days, and it's going to be over. So don't do another deal for the next week, at least. Like, wait. And this thing's going to turn into a seller situation. It is. We're going to get killed by the Yankees. We're going to get killed by the Devil Rays. It's going to be a nightmare. So just... Don't do, I mean, Cashner, fine. He sucked, by the way. He easily could have been one of our zeros. Um, he pitched like shit again in this series against his former team. Um, so I just, I'm, I'm of the mindset that 
you know, look, let it play out at least another six or seven games as we approach the deadline and then make a decision. Making a decision today is just, I, I think, reckless. Um, you know, and here's the other issue you're going to have, right? The East is over. It, the East is over. And the Devil Rays have dropped off a little bit too. But so it's the Yankees division. There's just no reason to believe that you're going to win it. And if you think you're going to win the East and that's why you're buying, you're out of your fucking mind. So, but here's the second issue, because to me, and I've said this for two weeks, the East is not happening. Cleveland is plus one as far as the first wild card, then Oakland, then the Devil Rays, then the Red Sox. I mean, you're three games back. You got to leapfrog the Devil Rays. And I know Oakland has some flaws, and frankly, so do the Indians, but at the, it, it, there's just, you're not trending in anywhere near what. At this point, it would take a monumental shift in the way they're playing baseball, and I just don't see it happening. So, I, you know, I, I agree with Jason. I, I want them to be a seller. I don't think they're going to win, and I don't think any move they can make with the assets they have is going to turn them into something more than what they are, but that's what they're going to do. And uh, assuming they go, like, one in their next six and just totally fall, fall off the map, I, I think Jason's right. I just think that the prudent move, the long-term move for the health of the franchise is to sell. And, you know, you're not going to sell Nunez. You're not going to sell Bogarts, uh, Chavis, uh, Benintendi, uh, Vasquez, Sale, Price. You're still going to have a whole bunch of pieces. So you could theoretically sell and then see what happens anyways. I mean, it's not out of the realm that some, you know, maybe getting rid, trimming some of the fat and the expiring contracts away leaves you with motivated players. So that's well, just not. I mean, you're dead on right. That's not what's going to happen. Dabrowski's going to buy a couple pieces and try to get back in the playoffs. Well, they're going to only get rid of the short-term guys for sure. I mean, anyone with three or more years of control left will will probably end up staying. Uh, you know, of of impact. Uh, players now as of a few days ago Dombrowski well the the Red Sox had scouts you know watching various teams the Giants and the Mets game we had a scout there and some people were speculating maybe looking at Bumgarner um, others were speculating maybe it was looking at someone like Will Smith, you know, who they could potentially add to the bullpen. Um, I'm not sure which team of the area, uh, which area of the team, I'm not even talking right tonight, uh, really needs the most help at this point. You know, I just, Sale looked good in his last start, so maybe he's kind of turned it around. You know, we'll know a little bit more uh, in his next start. Price hasn't shown me anything, and like I said, hasn't given you the longevity during games all season, so that's a concern. No faith in Porcello whatsoever. Um, Kashner, I mean, he did today what you would expect out of a number five starter. Went six innings, gave up four runs. He struck out seven this time as opposed to just two last time. Um, But he wasn't going to be a difference maker one way or the other. And then the one consistent starter you have is Erod. So I'm not convinced that the bullpen's the weakest area now. I mean, because if this this rotation can't go five innings of of two or three run ball at the very least, then the bullpen's certainly not going to do it. Yeah, and the and the problem with 
you know, a guy like Madison Bumgarner is now the Giants have gone on this incredible run. Unlike the Red Sox, they've played themselves into playoff contention. So I'm not even sure they're going to be willing to sell Bumgarner. And if they do, it's going to take a King's ransom to get him. And even if the Red Sox want him, I think they'll get outbid because I don't think they have the pieces that uh, these other teams that are going to be vying for his services do. So, you know, it's exciting when you hear that they're scouting guys like Baumgartner and, you know, they're, they're scouting guys from the Mets. But at the end of the day, it's like either they're not going to have the assets to get them or they do. And you kind of look at it and you go, is this year's team really worth investing in? Is it really worth you selling off more of that farm system, which you've already lost so much of, just to get, what, a couple more wins and a shot at the second or first wild card? Like, I don't know. I don't think that's worth it. The, the Giants might say they, they're going for it, you know, now that they're back in contention, but I don't think – I think that's just rhetoric. I, I don't think they're going to really try to go for it because, I mean, they're going to be one and done just like we will be, you know, if we happen to get in. And their um, president, GM, whatever he calls himself, uh, Farhan Zahidi or whatever, was basically the number two – in the Dodgers organization, uh, you know, until he left over the winter. So, you know, being a, an analytical guy, I, I think he understands fully well the, the position that he's in, and I think he's probably a little anxious to start a rebuild. So they might have rhetoric that, yeah, they might go for it, but they're just trying to increase the value of whatever assets they intend to move, I would think. And I think... Bumgarner's going to the Yankees. I don't know that they're going to want to pay the price for Syndergaard. And, um, you know, would you rather, at that point, would you rather have Bumgarner or or Bauer, really? Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's probably going to the Yankees. I mean, Jason already said it. I mean, if there's any market whatsoever, almost every other contender is going to be willing to help bid. And then the second thing, and I think we've all mentioned this, so I'll just keep it really brief. I mean, you can't get rid of Chavis, Chad, Chatham, Dahlbach. Uh, you, you just can't do it. I mean, there's nothing left. So you, you got to – you got we. I mean, I really don't think they should make any changes. In fact, I think they should try to add some assets – uh, try to move some 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 pieces, even if it's for low-level prospects. Uh, trim the fat and promote what assets we have, and see what happens. I just you 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 don't have enough to get anybody, and if it, to the extent you do, you're going to get outbid by a team that wants some more just because they have more. So to me, and you know, and I just for me, I know what Dombrowski's mindset is. For me, it's. I just hope ownership's not asleep at the switch and, and puts an end to whatever he's thinking he's going to do. Because you decimate this thing, we're not going to win this year. Then we're not going to win for, what, another three years? Like, just let it be. that You're not going to win this season. That's fine. You won last season. I know you're, you're in a major market and every other team wins all the time, but you can't let that be a determining factor in ruining the next five years. Here's a, a tweet from uh, Chris Cotillo, who writes for Mass Live. He says, he tweets, on 
uh, July 21st, 2015, Dave Dombrowski's Tigers, who had won three straight AL Centrals, sat 10.5 games back of the division and four games back in the wild card. We're three games back now, so only one game better than that. They went on to lose five of their next seven. They traded David Price, Yoenis Cespedes, and Joaquim Soria in the final 48 hours before the deadline. And Cotillo asks further, he goes, is that the blueprint that uh, could be to follow? So he does have some precedence of, of selling, I guess. But um, like I said... If he screws up this next 10 days and, you know, next season where I'd find it hard to believe we'd be struggling this bad. But if we are, he could be gone midseason or, you know, at at the end of the season. So, um, I don't know. I, I just... I, I hope he gets it right. And the example that I love to use, I, I've brought it up three or four different times here. We're not in the same position we were in 2012 when we were well on our way to being a last place team. And we're not going to, you know, the the moves we're going to make are much different from the, the Beckett, Crawford, Gonzalez salary dump we did with the Dodgers. But... But in a similar way, we can still sell off some pieces. And then this winter, we're going to have a talented young core. We're still going to have Devers, Benny, Chavis, Vazquez. I I know I'm forgetting at least one. We're still going to have the bulk of our rotation still here. All we have to do this winter, in my mind, is go get... Just go get your solid complimentary guys. Go get your Napoli, your Victorino, and your Uihara. And we should be better, you know, next season in doing that. Yeah, I think the Red Sox could do similar to what the Yankees did in 2016. Which is not completely blow it up, but like you said, trim the fat. You know, who did the Yankees trade that year? Guys like Carlos Beltran and... Andrew Miller, who were clearly not part of their future plans, and they got some some really nice prospects back that are actually now part of their major league team. Yeah, Red Sox got, should follow that model. They got rid of Chapman and got Glaber Torres uh, as right. well. And then the very next year, they went to Game 7 of the ALCS, and by the grace of God, the Astros beat them, and then went on to the World Series. But but there is such thing as as a rapid turnaround you know i i underscored a very recent one with us and you know jason excellent point with new york uh just a few years ago um so i i just it doesn't have to be gloom and doom you know i'm a little i'm a lot less frustrated than i i have been in years past because in in 2017 i knew we weren't built for the postseason I didn't think we were going to win it last year. I thought the bullpen was going to sink us. Credit to Alex Cora for, you know, utilizing the rotation in there and, you know, and then everyone stepping up to to help win it. But, you know, I'm I'm a little more relaxed and I think we can create a new window this this season and, and, you know, be set up really nice for the next two, three, four years. And with the Yankees... They're gonna have. They're over the luxury tax right now, 
and Sanchez and Judge, two guys they're going to want to keep in their organization. Neither one of them are on mega deals right now. So, and they're already over the luxury tax. So that's a team whose window is shortening, you know, for, I, they probably got, I think two years before they, they got to make some tough moves and the Stanton contracts bad. Their rotation isn't looking good. Apparently they're willing to deal their number one pitching prospect, you know, so, you know, the, the Red Sox can shore up, you know, their near future here with uh, some solid moves. Uh, next question here, though, uh, is Alex Cora. He's not on the hot seat. He's in no danger of getting fired. You know, maybe maybe that type of talk could come next season if, for whatever reason, we're not good. But um, he's not the guy. I don't think he's the guy we thought he was. Everything he touched last year turned to gold. This year, he's a man that doesn't seem to be able to come up with the solution. So, in the, I guess, so the question here is, the, the fan base is mostly on his side. I'm, I'm fairly neutral right now. Is, is he in any danger of losing, you know, the fan base, similar to how Farrell did? No, because it's just too soon since the championship. Terry, I called this at the at the beginning of the year. I said I don't like the way he's handling the transition from the championship to the new season. And I and I know I use Belichick, and you always scoff at don't use Belichick, don't use other sports. Each sports a, a different monster than the other. But Belichick compartmentalizes the successes versus the future like no one else. And I I saw it coming. He was talking about it. He was talking about it all the way through that first Seattle series and then the Oakland series. And, you know, we're one and nine or whatever it was, two and eight. And he's like, I taught, I was talking with Andy Beckett, who I think is the assistant hitting coach. And he, and he said something. And I remember this. I remember that uh, reading the quote or listening to the interview, whatever it was, and just being and remarking like he we're two and eight. And he's still talking about what's different from last year. Like, what are you doing? And if you're saying that to the media, you're saying it to the clubhouse. And so I give him a lot of responsibility for the way this thing has gone. Starting day one and the failure to turn the page. And this team is underachieving. And they keep talking like with the confidence that it's going to happen. It's not going to happen. So I, to not give him some blame is, is irresponsible. He is to blame. He is part of the fucking problem. He's been part of the problem since they appeared for pitchers and catchers, and he refused to let the team just move on. Instead, he was the voice to the media talking about the previous season, and that went all the way until that West Coast trip ended, and he finally was like, I'm not talking about last year anymore. Well, you already handicapped the season by going 2-9, and nine, or whatever it was, 2-11. and 11. So... And Terry, like you alluded to, all the stuff that he did well last year, the 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 pinch hitting and the and the right moves with the bullpen and pulling the the starter uh, uh, um, one batter too early rather than too late, all that stuff's not happening. And I don't think he's a bad manager. I'm not willing to say that, but he is a first time manager, and he has made some significant mistakes. And I really do think he's part of the problem. Um, do I think he's retrospective enough? to learn from it and be better and be the right manager for this team. Yeah, I do. I, I really do think that um, I like the way he um, 
does assess blame to himself, handles the media, um, you know, not always saying the right thing, but his demeanor's right and everything else. And so I do think he's, at least for now, looking like the right guy for the job, but he shares an enormous amount of blame, in my opinion. Right. I'm just wondering when the narrative is going to turn. I mean, nobody had any problems with John Farrell, the World Series year. I think most of us, including myself, and nobody ended up hating him more than I did, but just about everybody, including myself, gave him a pass for 2014, and he would have been gone in, in 2015 if he didn't get cancer. I strongly believe that, and that that was only a year and a half after winning a World Series. So I guess the point I'm making is it can happen quick, and I'm wondering that with Cora. Yeah, and you know, I think it's going to depend a lot on what Dombrowski does the next ten days, what the team looks like in the second half, both just because of the roster composition and you know how they finish the year, and then it's you know it's going to take an off season of retooling or rebuilding or whatever. But you know, I, I think he's fine for now, obviously. But next year, especially next April, if they come out and they struggle the way they did this year, and they're just as bad and he's sitting there going well we'll figure it out it's okay we'll figure it out then i think the the fan base will turn and they'll say no no you didn't figure it out last year so don't give us the same bull crap because you know, now it's time for you to be a manager and it's time for you to figure out and fix the mistakes rather than sit here and tell us that you have all the answers and everything's going to be okay because we know that everything's not so i think next april if they struggle that's when it could really turn so I disagree with that. I think he's going to have a longer leash, and I'll tell you why I think that. One, he's not an idiot. John Farrell is. Okay? John Farrell reads at a sixth grade level. I'm convinced of it. <laughs> um, so then the second thing is John Farrell's a dickhead, and no one liked him. I mean, literally no one liked that motherfucker. The only reason he had any level of command or success within that clubhouse was because he was under terry francona and he was the best at managing it so he rode the coattails of the guy who's the best manager in the history of the boston red sox and still remains one of probably a top three manager in the game now core is likable the players like him i think management likes him i think Dombrowski likes him. I think whoever finally replaces Dombrowski, whether it be six months from now or six years from now, they're going to like him. Um, I think the fan base likes him. I think he relates better with people, and I think he reads at a normal you know, level for his age, um, which is significant because Farrell was terrible at a lot of things. He was His body language was terrible. His communication was terrible. Everyone hated him, and he's an idiot. So... I don't know that you can compare the feral downward spiral to what Core is going through. I will say this as a final point, though, that at the end of the day, it's still Boston, and the only thing that speaks are results in this town. And if you do this again next year, you're probably gone, whether it be at the end of the year or whatever. But, you know, I mean, you're not going to get fired after another slow April. You're just not. I mean, he, he built enough goodwill with the World Series. He's gotta, they got to give him something. You know, so one anyway, thing so that, that, that's my point. One thing that could help him a little bit is if if Dombrowski gets fired before him, um, it just it just seems like there's a new pattern where when an incoming 
GM, president, whatever takes over, they typically do hang on to the manager because the the incumbent manager is essentially their get-out-of-jail-free card. They can ride it out for a couple of years, and the manager is probably going to take the heat, much like, much like Farrell did with Dombrowski. He kind of became a tool. I mean, Dombrowski could have got rid of him after we got swept in 2016, and for whatever reason, he hung on to him. And Farrell took all of the bullets, and Dombrowski knew that that would happen, and then once the heat started getting turned up on Dombrowski, he knew he could get rid of he could get rid of Farrell and, and start over. You know, Bruce Bochy was retained by uh, Zahidi when Alavila took over the Tigers from Dombrowski. He hung on to Osmus for a year or two. Um, Mickey Calloway was kept by Brody Van Wagenen this year. Not sure how long he keeps the job uh, at this point, but he was retained. So if Dombrowski goes, uh, you know, quick, that that could buy Cora a, an extra year. And I mean, and who knows? I mean, if if we go deep in the playoffs next year, then you know, what are we talking about right now? <laughs> anyway, and and his future's probably long. But the the one thing I do get tired of like you know it, it's impressive sometimes when when players hold themselves accountable you know guys like sale porcello um you know though you know for pitchers those those are two guys that will be hard on themselves in post-game interviews and they'll take accountability but that's gonna get old after a while you know if if they're not finding the solutions, none of that's going to matter. And the same can be said for Cora. You know, I watched his his post game interview today, and you couldn't. It wasn't like a, a July post game interview. It, it could have been a May post game interview. Like I just, I don't sense the urgency from him, and you know, and, and that's frustrating. So there's only sixty two games left. That's nothing. That's nothing at this point. So, well, I'll just put it to you this way: that my if my feelings have not come out yet, they will when we talk about the uh, the upcoming series. Okay. Well, you know what? Why don't we talk about the upcoming series against the uh, Tampa Bay Rays? It's a three, uh, you know, three game set. It's in Tampa. Uh, and if anyone's wondering, uh, Eckersley will not be a part of this series. It's going to be Carlos Pena. Uh, we have Eduardo Rodriguez game one. It's actually a tough. Uh, none of the matchups are easy, actually. As I uh, struggle to pull those up, do you have the matchups, Jeremy? So game, yeah, game one's uh, Erod versus Jalen Beeks. Jalen Beeks was an ex-Red Sox farmhand. He's 5-0 and with a 2.78 ERA. This is actually his first start, so I'm not exactly sure if they're using him in a opener role or maybe even an opener extended role. Um, but um, this, I think, to me, represents our best chance to win the game. Just Erod's been our best guy. Um, uh, with that said, they'll lose this game. Um in my opinion. Anyway, so I'll go through the matchups and I'll let you guys chime in. Chris Sale, uh, we all know what's going on there. 4-9, 4.05 ERA. He's got a shitload of strikes out, strikeouts. He was awesome last time out. 
against Yanni Chirinos. Um, so who's been really average. This is another game that we should win. We won't. We'll lose it. We'll be down 2-0 in the series, and the season will be on the cusp. And then the spineless sack of shit, David Price, pitches against Charlie Morton, who has been just fantastic. Uh, 11-3, 2.61 ERA, 152 strikeouts. Um, they got, they beat him in the ALCS, I believe, if my memory serves correct. But, um, you know, he's he's been good, and he will be better than Price on Wednesday afternoon. So that's the series, and then Thursday starts the Yankees. So you guys have any... Any uh, thoughts on uh, on on uh, the matchups and and what you're expecting from this series? Well, Beeks will, in all likelihood, be a conventional starter. He's actually been the middle relief guy that comes in after the opener that eats up multiple innings. So I think they are trying to uh, get a look at him uh, in this as a starter. You know, and and Jeremy, you you predicting a loss here? I think we can win that game with uh, Rodriguez. I think the team's going to have a bad taste in their mouth, you know, from the way this series ended. So I expect to see a little bit more life, and I'm just that much more confident uh, that Erod will be solid, uh, you know, again. But uh, Jason, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I, if they're going to win a game, I like this one. Um, Beaks. You know, look, I don't. It's his first start, so you, what? Maybe they get four innings out of him. He's not stretched out. There's just no way. Um, and Everod's been really, really good. Now, um, with that said, um, if they can be productive in these games, you have a chance to have a, a profound effect on the team directly ahead of you. So. And that's just like what the Red Sox have done all season. They underwhelm, and then they keep you right in it by coming back in a series like this and winning two out of three and giving you false hope. They'll only get swept in the next series by the Yankees. So, Jason, you have any thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I think that game one is your best shot, uh, especially if Erod delivers the way he has been. Um, and he gives you a solid outing, six, seven innings, you know, keeps keeps the runs at a minimum. Um because I, I don't think Jalen Beeks is going to go very long into this game. Maybe three, four innings at most. Um, I don't I don't love that game two matchup at all. Um, I'm not I'm not buying all the way back in on Chris Sale just because of his last outing. Um, and this guy Yanni Chirinos, he kicked your ass the last time he faced you. He went eight innings, shut out baseball, and you only got two hits off of him. Um, I think he had, he almost had a no hitter in that game. He had a no hitter going for a while. So. I don't love that matchup, and Charlie Morton is filthy this year. Um, so that game three matchup's not looking good either. And this is this is how Tampa does it. They they do it with tough pitching, and they've got a pesky lineup that you know for these Red Sox pitchers can give them a lot of problems. So hopefully, game one, Erod is consistent and he gives you the kind of outing that you need. But yeah, that the matchups do not favor the Red Sox going into this series. It, it looks like. They'll probably lose two out of three, and they might lose all three, uh, depending on how that game one goes. Um, Chirinos did uh, destroy us uh, last time out. We got to him pretty good last year, so I I guess we're going to figure out, you know, who the real Yanni Chirinos is uh, this time out. But he does have a 3.29 ERA on the year, one of their more solid guys. Um, With the David Price 
Charlie Morton start. We got to Morton uh, earlier in the year. I don't remember if we ended up winning the game or not, but he's not really. I'm not really afraid of him. If I think if we're going to lose the game, it's going to be because Price is just terrible and you know get gets knocked around a little bit and uh, doesn't go deep. So. That, that's my primary concern with Game 3. And with Chris Sale in the Chirino start, this is going to tell us where he's at. You know, if he gets knocked around too, you know, the last game was a bit of an anomaly, I'll say, you know, compared to his recent starts. And, you know, my, my concerns are going to be renewed, but... I, you know, at face value, I think he did kind of figure something out, especially with his fastball. And, uh, you know, as long as it's not ending up over the plate like it had been, I think, I think Chris Sale's going to be pretty solid as well. So the, the unfortunate thing here is, um, well, actually, I guess Sale and, uh, Erod will make starts in the New York series. Yes. Never mind. <laughs> Any, uh, any I mean, the best thing—the best thing you can do is find—is win the game you're supposed to win, which is the first one. Have Sale be Sale and beat Chirinos, and then you know you're in a good spot walking in to the twelve ten start on Wednesday. I yep. mean, that's—you know—and as I say it, I don't believe it. But um, it's one of those things where you want to, I mean, David Price is going to, I, I think he's in the middle of a monumental turtle. I really do. <laughs> so, I mean, that that's the way that you go into that start is go win it. And then if he wins it, it's gravy. You've just swept the raise. You're probably within a game of the wild card. Um, you know, and if you don't, you're still two back, but you're not out of it yet. And you're probably still a player in the in the buyer market. Um, so I mean, you gotta. I mean, Erod's gotta win. He's our best guy. There's no question about it. He's our ace right now. Um, and then you see what you get from Chris Sale, and and you know it, it, that twelve ten start's gonna be real interesting based on the first two games. The other thing that could happen is uh, Erod pitches well. They don't hit. Um, Sale reverts back to Sale of not last week, but the pre- previous five weeks. And David Price is pitching us probably out of the season if we lose that game and we get swept and we're four or five games out of the wild card and now we're buyers. So, I mean, it's amazing. This series is huge. It, it's going to depend. It's going to uh, dictate and determine potentially the, the a monumental swing in which way the assets go. So anyways, I'll be watching. I'll be interested. I hold out no hope for a positive result. Well, here's the no. question based on what we've talked about and, you know, with probably needing to be sellers, you know, that's in the the best interest of, you know, the next few seasons. Is it good that we win here? Is it is taking two out of three a good thing, or or should do do we want them to lose? Which sounds sacrilegious as as hell, literally, um, but I I don't know. I mean, the pitching is is lined up for us to to probably or we're supposed to take two out of three here that's the way it's lined up so do we want that to happen 
I mean, I I still do as much as I was harping on them being sellers and and all that. Like, show some fight, show some balls. You know, like take two out of three. Hell, even try to sweep if you can, and then go back home and get ready for the Yankees. And then that's that's you really that's a big test right there. So, I I want them to at least win two out of three. Show some fight. Show that you've got something left in the tank, and then get ready for the the Yankee series in Boston. But who knows? I mean, this team is either ready to finally fight in late July, or they're just they're done. So we'll see. So there's two ways I look at this: what my heart is saying and what my brain is saying. And typically, that that's not, you know, two separate, you know, avenues on the highway. It's usually one. And they're, you know, like last year, right? obviously easy to say it because they were on a monumental win total and they were trending the whole year but uh, normally you can kind of get a feel for it but this year is different my my mind is telling me they have no chance and they're going to continue to underwhelm and Dombrowski is a problem and core was a problem from day one as we've talked about and they're just they have too many expiring contracts and too many problems and the bullpen such an issue but then my my heart's like, well, they are really fucking talented in a ton of different spots, and this really is the same team that just won 108 games and ran roughshod through the playoffs. And so my heart's like, I still think they have a chance, but my brain's telling me I'm out of my mind. So it's it's tough because you do want to give them every possible chance because the talent's there. But to me, I'm I'm at the point where I think my mind and my, and my and you know, the more analytical side of things is going to win out here. I just don't see it. And honestly, Jason, I think it's possible, by the way, that they do win two or three of this uh, in this series. And then they're just going to get walk, walk in and get murdered by the Yankees. And then yeah. we, we're buyers instead of sellers, and the assets go the wrong way, and we set, each other, we set our team back, you know, two seasons. I mean, right. I, I just... You know, I I just hope that no matter what happens with this series, the team is already understanding what's in front of them. And when I say team, I mean management and the baseball operations. Because to me, it's clear. Like, not not a fan. Because as a fan, I'm like, no, keep it together. They still got a chance to get all this talent. But as someone who every three days sits down and talks about it for 90 minutes and goes through the matchups and the players and the trends, that guy, that guy's like, there's no chance here. I just don't see it. Yeah. yeah and that, that's fair. That's where I'm at too. I, I know, I know we're, we're not going to go far, you know, even if we win the one game wild card, we're not going to be matched up well against whoever the ALDS opponent is, which would probably be either the Yankees or the Astros. They're within a game or a game and a half of the top seed. So I think those two teams are going to be honed in on each other a little bit to try to, to try to, you know, be the one seed. But the other thing you have to look at too, for everyone hoping that we do make the wild card, all those teams we're chasing are going to get better. They're going to add here to varying degrees. They're going to get a reliever. They're going to add a starter, you know, whatever. So, they're all going to improve more than we're going to improve, which further makes me have very little interest in in trying to go for it rather than acquire assets and 
start thinking about next year and uh you know maybe winning the division so those are my thoughts uh any final thoughts before we wrap duck <laughs> duck here it comes that's it i don't have anything else i mean look i i think if you're still optimistic i i think you're you're thinking with your heart which is fine we've all been there i've been admitting that i'm still doing it a little bit too but this could be bad, real bad, real bad. So, anyways, we'll talk about it on uh, Wednesday night, right, Terrence? Uh, yes, we will. Absolutely. Uh, Jason, uh, excellent job. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we should be in touch with you at some point tomorrow. And, uh, right, yeah, it's fun being here. Yeah, okay. All right, well, guys, have a good night, and uh, we'll catch up soon. probably the most depressing episode of the benny and the bets podcast of the 2019 season was 153 tonight um is what it is uh you know this is my third season second full season you know in in 2017 you know I, i podcasted into the playoffs you know, against the Astros. And then last year, very fortunate to have a deep October run and it was fun to record shows, but a much different feel, um, you know, for 2019. So, um, I'm just hoping that there's no missteps by Dave Dombrowski and that we, um, do what we need to do to kind of start a new window and, you know, go after the division again. We've won it three years in a row, so can't can't win them. Can't keep winning them forever. Anyway, uh, as Jeremy said, we'll be back on Wednesday night to discuss the Rays series. So everybody have a good uh, Monday, and we will see you then. Take care. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Playing it a line drive, left field, Ben and Teddy coming on, dives, and then he makes the catch, he did, he got it. There we go, time to party, right here, 3-2. High behind, and crushed it, it's a grand slam. Twing and miss, Frank Lee is over, the Red Sox have won the world championship. Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it?